Hey everybody, we are in the middle of a series called Soul Detox. It is based on my new book, but what we're covering on the weekends and during the week is actually different content. Uh, the title for today's message, I want to talk to you about the tortured soul. Now, I don't know how many of you, uh, when you were kids, you had somebody bigger than you pick on you or torture you, um, but I had a, a, a kid that lived down the street that would take me and pin me to the ground, take both of my arms and pin them back, put his knees on them, tower on top of me, take his knuckle and drive it into my chest as I would scream like a little girl feeling helpless. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever do that to you? It's horrible. Then I'd be back fighting and screaming, let me out, let me out! And then this very mean bully would actually tower over me and he would spit a loogie that would go straight down toward my face. And as it would go down, he would, and it would hover there and they'd suck it back up. Hated that so much. And so I did the same thing to my little sister because that's what big brothers do is they, I held my little sister down and pounded on her chest and then did the loogie thing where I spit it out, but I'd never practiced it before. And so when I tried to suck it back up, it broke and went in her face. And so I just say publicly, Lisa, Lisa I'm sorry. I never told anybody that before. And I don't really feel much better, but I, I did it <laughs> anyway. And, and so I, yeah, that's not real torture compared to what a lot of people go through in the world. There's, I mean, real torture, Christian suffering and uh, people in war and, and such. But typically, when we think about being tortured, uh, we think about physical torture. And what I want to talk to you today is not about physical torture of the body as much as a spiritual torture of the soul. Now, if you weren't with us in the previous weeks, we have a key thought driving this series. You may want to write this down. Uh, we need to understand that we are not a body with a soul, but what are we? If you know it, say it loud. What we really are is we really are a soul with a body. In other words, we are not really our body. Our body is a house for who we are. When our bodies die, we don't die. Our bodies die, but we live on eternally. That's why Jesus asked the question, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his what? Yet forfeit his soul. And so many people, we focus on detoxing or keeping our bodies healthy, which is good, but I want to talk about detoxing or keeping our souls healthy, because the tragedy is today, you will find so many people who look fine on the outside, but their souls are tortured. A little bit perhaps like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, if you're a Christian, you might be able to relate with his battle. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And there's this internal battle. There's this, this torturing of the soul. Maybe you've done this before where you promise, God, I'll never, ever do this again, ever again. I promise as long as I live. And then, boom, you do it again, and you're plagued with guilt. And, and there's a sense of inward conviction. And so sometimes you cover up that sin, and you don't want anybody to know. And on the outside, you can put on church face and come in and look good and fool people. Hello, brother. How are you doing today? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus God is good, hallelujah. And you can do that, but inwardly, 
Your soul is tortured because of secret sin. What does scripture say actually brings this about? Uh, Peter said this in 1 Peter 2, 11. He said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world. He's talking to Christians saying you're not of this world. He said, I urge you to abstain from what? He said, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which do what? Everybody say this aloud. Which war against your soul. War against your soul. What is it that tortures the soul? Let me give you uh, two things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Uh, We're tortured by the sinful things that we've done. We do something that breaks the heart of God. We feel guilty. We carry our unconfessed sins, and and we're tortured by this. David uh, is a great example in Psalm 38, verse 3 and 4. Um, feeling the weight of sin, he said, my bones have no soundness because of my what? He said, because of my, my sin. He said, my guilt has done what? Everybody, all of our churches, let's, let's say this together. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm overwhelmed. I, I can't, I, I don't have this, the inward strength to, to carry me because of the weight of this sin. I'm tortured in my soul. I, uh, I'll be very transparent with you. The first time I remember feeling this tremendous guilt, I was in the fifth grade, and I went over to my friend Stephen's house, and Stephen's parents weren't home for, the, the, for a little while, and he said, you're not going to believe this. He found, I, I found my dad's stash of Playboy magazines. You have to look at them with me. And I was like, I didn't even know what that was, but it sounded really fun. And so Stephen got these things out and he started opening the pages up and I felt um, the biggest mixture of emotions. There was honestly this sense of like, whoa, whoa, ha, this is good. And at the same time, there was this guilt. I mean, like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. Turn the page quick, you know, and let's look at another one. And, and it was just the, this rush of, of sinful uh, curiosity and desire simultaneously with this, this guilt and, and sense of shame. And I didn't realize it at the time, but actually right in front of me, I was losing a part of my innocence. And when his parents came home, I, like, I ran out of the house just since I had done something wrong and I ran all the way home and I walked in uh, my house and of all people, my mom was standing right there and she's like, hello, honey, how's my angel? And I didn't say anything, but I thought, your angel's bad. And, and I, I, felt, I, I didn't tell anybody, and I had this tremendous guilt, tremendous shame, inwardly tortured. Uh, why are we tortured in our soul? Sometimes it's because of the sin we secretly carry. And I'll just say it as gently as I can. There are a lot of you that are carrying that same sort of secret sin in your soul today. Um, the studies show, the statistics would be close to 50% of the men here today may struggle with that same sort of secret lust. Studies show that 25 to maybe even 30% of the women 
had the same thing and, you're, and you're, you're looking at stuff you shouldn't look at and you know if this got out, it could really hurt your marriage or it could ruin your reputation or it could be very, very embarrassing and you're, you're tortured because of it. Others um, are living a lie. You've, you've misrepresented yourself or you, you, you cheated on someone or something and in the back of your mind, you know if this comes out, I mean, it could be really, really bad, but you keep it a secret and your, your soul is tortured. Some, it's private sin, maybe the sin of overeating. And, and you, you, know, you say, I don't want to eat so much, but you fantasize about food, and then you take a bite, and then you're like, I can't believe I ate the whole thing again. And then some feel so guilty, they go and induce vomiting, and then there's more shame. And for some, it's overspending. It's this, this emptiness in this world, and so you, you spend more, 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 and then you lie about your, your spending. For others, it's an addiction where you, you smoked something or you drank something or you, you popped something and the next thing you know, you can't stop. And you know if, if this became public, it could be really bad for you and so you try to hide it and you're, you're tortured because of the secret sin that you carry. What is it that tortures our souls? Well, one, we're tortured by the things we've done. Two, if you're taking notes, we're tortured by the lies we believe. We believe lies that our spiritual enemy, Satan, whispers to us in our souls. John 8, 44 and 45 speaks of Satan, the, the, the devil, and says the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For what is he, everybody? The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. He lies to you. And we're tortured because of the lies we believe. Uh, years ago, one of my favorite stories in our staff, uh, when our church went multi-site, we lost some of the camaraderie in our staff, so we came up with a game just for bonding called Capture the Flag, where we actually had a real flag and different team members had to devise missions to come in and steal the flag, and you got points. And it was a lot of fun, even when someone got hurt and had to go to the hospital, it was still fun. And so we had to devise rules so there weren't any injuries. And one of the rules was you can't, the missions can't start until 8 a.m. when the office is open. And so there were no like 3 a.m missions where we had to put guards up all night long and stuff. So one morning I came in about 7 a.m. and I was going into my office and nobody else was there. So I thought, and I believe the Spirit of God prompted me that there was an enemy in our office. Now you may say, why the Spirit of God? Because that's kind of how things work when you're the pastor. You know, you just, God speaks to you in that way and all the stoplights are always green and just convenient little things like that for me. And so, I just really thought there's someone in here, and I, I walked up to the very first closet, I opened the door, and sure enough, Pastor Kevin Penry was hiding in the closet waiting for the 8 a.m. start time to come out and steal our flag, and so I just slammed the door on him, put my foot on the door, and said, you're not getting out, you're spending the day in this closet, and I waited for reinforcement. Finally, someone showed up, I said, get me a chair, and I was gonna lodge the chair underneath the door, but there wasn't a chair that fit, so I just lied for a higher purpose, for the glory of God, and said, you're locked in here, you're spending the day in here. Well, there was no lock on the door, there was no chair, we just told him, and Kevin started whining, let me out, let me out, 
out. It's not fair. I'm looking at my buddy going, the door's not locked. And he's, he's whining. And he never tried to open the door. And we're busting a gut laugh. He's like, let me out. No, you're spending the whole day. We're just dying laughing. Well, 8 a.m. came around. I had a premarital counseling appointment, so I went in my office. Kevin's still in there. Let me out. He's never tried the door. I'm meeting with this couple, and in the middle of the meeting, they're all emotional. I hear something up in the ceiling. Pastor Kevin had climbed the shelves into the ceiling. We're in an emotional moment. The ceiling tile pokes up. He looks down. There's two eyes looking down at me. And he never tried to open the door. There are so many people who are believing the lies and they're tortured in their soul and they are a prisoner of something that is not true. Our spiritual enemy says to you, if anybody knew your secret, they wouldn't like you anymore. They would reject you. You can't tell anyone. That'd be the stupidest thing ever. And your enemy lies to you and tries to connect what you did with who you are. What you did should be a part of your identity. You did bad, so you are bad. You failed at something, so you're a failure. Well, you messed up once, so you might as well just keep on doing it over and over and over again because you're already used goods. You can't tell anyone this, and so you start to believe, I've got to carry this secret to the grave. But what you don't realize is your secret is taking you to the grave. You're a tortured soul. What do you do when you realize you're tortured by your own private sin? In the last few weeks, we looked at different people who talked to their souls. Last week, David said, hey, soul, why so downcast? Put your hope in God. What I want to do is encourage you to tell your soul two things, two truths to set you free. The first thing, tell your soul, is this. When your enemy says, don't tell anyone, they'll never like you, you tell your soul. It's better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. It's always better to tell the truth. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says it this way. He who conceals his sins does not what? Everybody does not prosper. You hide them, it's not good. Scripture says, but whoever confesses, everybody say confesses. Come on, everybody work with me, all of our churches, but whoever confesses and what else? And renounces their sins, what do they find? They find mercy. If you hold it in, it poisons you. If you let it out, you find mercy and grace and forgiveness and help in your time of need. It's a little bit like food poisoning. How many of you have ever gotten food poisoning, right? Nasty, right? When you take poison in, what does your body immediately do? What does it do? It rejects it, right? I mean, violently rejects it. Anywhere there's a hole, your body's rejecting it, and it's coming out, right? Don't look at me like that's not true. It's true. It's like you're, you're on the pot. You're doing the, the reversal, you know, both sides. It's as fast as you can go. I know it's gross, but it, what, what, man, one time I got food poisoning, it was so bad, I was afraid I was going to die. Then it got worse, and I was afraid I might not die. Okay? It was like <laughs> bad. Okay? Unconfessed sin is poison to the soul. That's what it is. Unconfessed sin is poison to the soul. Never underestimate 
your spiritual enemies, destructive power, how he can hurt, steal, kill, and destroy through unconfessed sin. It's poison, and you, you get it out. You reject it. You confess it. And you confess in two different ways. The first way, if you're taking notes, is to God. You confess to God for the forgiveness of sins. That's why we confess to God. Scripture says this, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I would recommend, if you're memorizing verses, to put that one at the top of your list. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just and will forgive us all of our sins. When you cry out to him through Jesus, your sins are forgiven. I'm telling you, he doesn't hold them against you anymore. He, he, he forgets your sins. He casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. You may be like, oh, but God, remember when I did this? Like, God, no, no, I don't. It's, it's a little bit like an Etch-a-Sketch. Who knows what that is, an Etch-a-Sketch? You know, it's a computer for rednecks, you know what I'm saying? It's something like, sorry, rednecks, but anyway. It is, you know, you, you, you scribble all over it, and when you shake it, what happens? It's gone, right? In God's eyes, when you confess your sins, they are gone. Some of you right now, you still feel all guilty about this, that, or the other. You confessed it to God. He's forgiven you. Let it go. You confess to him for forgiveness, but there's another step of confession that so many people don't make, and this is what we must do to move forward with God. We confess to God for forgiveness, but then Scripture teaches us we confess to people for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess one to another for healing. James says in 5.16, therefore confess your sins not to God. Here it says, confess your sins to whom? Confess your sins to each other. And what do you do? You pray for each other. Why? So you may be healed. You confess to one another for healing. Every time someone says, hey, Craig, I'm about to tell you something I've never told anyone before, I just say, I know we're about to have a major breakthrough. We're about to have a major spiritual breakthrough. There's healing. That's one of the reasons why I really want every one of you to be involved in a life group where we do life together, where we, we, we open up God's word together, where we pray for one another, where there's consistent spiritual encouragement, where we hold each other accountable, where we, we confess our sins. This is one of the most important things in my own spiritual life is being with the body of Christ, I'm about to tell you something, and we know we're about to have a breakthrough. And in, in 22 um, years or so of doing ministry, I can tell you every time I've walked through some kind of confession with somebody who really uh, brings the weight of something serious, and they look back, almost every time, here's what they say. They say, the moment that I confessed, it was one of the hardest days and one of the best days of my entire life hard, but it's one of the best days because I'm no longer tortured with my private sin. I, I told you about um, when I was in the fifth grade and I looked at porn for the first time. The second time um, was in the seventh grade. And, and for two years, man, I carried the secret weight of this. Um, I uh, was asked to babysit at some um, friends of my parents' house and I went over there and within like 15 minutes, I discovered that this dad at that house 
actually had his own stash of um, magazines that were like sitting out in the living room. And immediately I felt that same familiar rush of anticipation. So I was looking at these kids like going, well, 7.30 is about bedtime. Do I have time to go to bed? Because I wanted to, I mean, I honestly wanted to look at those. And, and once I got into bed, man, I went in there and I opened it up and, and I had that Romans 7 kind of struggle. Like the things I don't want to do, I do. And I'm looking, going, whoa, look at those. You know? and, and then I, I can't do this anymore. So I put it aside. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm going back and I'm, and, and I'm looking again. And, and there was this battle that went on. Um, and when the dad drove me back to my house, I just felt this tremendous shame. I didn't say anything to him, obviously. And I walked in the door, and there's my mom again. Hello, sugar pie, dumpling, love, you know, angel. You're so, and like, no, I'm bad. I'm filthy. I've been looking at girls' boobies, you know. And she's like, what? And I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, I have. I've been looking at this. She's like, and, and she was just stunned. I mean, I just started crying. And just, I just confessed and felt, she's like, what do you mean? I said, two years ago, I was at Stephen's house, and his dad had these, and I looked at them, but I didn't tell you. I felt guilty, and then I went tonight, and they were there, and I looked, and then I didn't look, and then I looked some more, and I just feel, and, and it, was, it was one of the most difficult things, but I'm telling you, it was, it, was one of the, it was one of the strengthening moments of my life, and I'm so thankful for the wisdom my mom had. I wish I could tell you the exact conversation, but... Uh, it went something like this. She said, well, she said, did you know that that's a pretty normal thing for boys your age to be excited about that? I was like, no, I thought it was just me. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I was like, so she kind of disarmed it. And she said, well, how do you feel now that you did it? Like, bad, bad, bad. She said, okay, let's think about this. So next time you're tempted, if you think about the result, do you want to feel bad? No, no, no. So what should you do? I probably shouldn't look. And she was leading me, and, and, and she said, um, do you love your sister? I'm like, oh yeah, I love my sister. Um, even though I spit a loogie in her face. You know, I lo yes, I love my sister. She's, she said, do you love me? I was like, yes. And, and she said, do you think that we should look at women as objects like that? I'm like, no, no, no. And she said, the next time you're tempted, I want you to think about that. And she said, it's not that that's a wrong desire, it's a right desire, it's just not a desire for now, it's a desire you should save for uh, your wife one day. And, and it was amazing how my confession and her help really brought some healing. And, and I won't tell you that I was um, flawless for the rest of my life, but I will tell you of all my friends, I made it through um, high school and college uh, probably the least um, damaged by pornography, and I believe it's so much because I invited someone else into the battle. Hardest day and one of the best days. What I'm about to tell you, I've never told anybody before, we're about to have big breakthroughs. So you're gonna say, so I need to tell everybody what I did? You know, hey, Facebook friends, I committed adultery on my wife last week, pray for me. Not saying that, okay? <laughs> not saying that, I'm not saying that. Not saying that we confess everything to everybody, but we confess some things to somebody. One of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is a short time span between sinning and confessing. Let me say that again. 
a real mark of spiritual maturity. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. When you do sin, there's a short time span between sinning and confessing. Oh, God, I recognize that was wrong. Hey, I call my brother in Christ. Would you pray for me? Man, I messed up. I, I, I confess this. I need, I need help. Um, I'm, in, I'm in a place where I need help. Satan says, don't tell anybody. Tell your soul. Soul, don't be tortured. Don't be stupid. It's better to confess your sins than it is to hide your sins. It's better, he who conceals his sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Soul, there's truth and healing in this. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. You tell your soul, Christ will set you free. Hey, soul, you don't have to be tortured. You don't have to live this way. There is a better way. You can be free. Satan says, oh, you'll always be this way. So, no, greater is the one who is in me than he that's in the world. Hey, soul, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Hey, soul, if Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. So, you don't always have to be trapped and tortured in this private sin. Oh, but I'll I'll never get out. I'll never get out. This is just the way I am. The, the, The way out is too painful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is what, everybody? Our God is faithful. Even if we're faithless, he is faithful. Our God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a what? When you are tempted, our God will provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. Our God always provides a way out. You feel trapped. You feel helpless. You feel tortured. I can't get out. No, there's always a way out. With Christ, there is always a way out. You don't have to remain in bondage to your unconfessed sin. There is always a way out, just like in the glory days of of, um, uh, video games. Those of you who are around my age who had the benefit and blessing of growing up when they were anointed of God, how many of you remember Pac-Man, Donkey Kong? Kong, Centipede, and Galaga. What am I? What am I missing? Give me some help down here. What, what were the games? Asteroids. Asteroids. You know, Donkey Kong already said that. Space Invaders. You know, Frogger. Oh. Anyway, I mean, good old days. You know, you know it, right? Well, it, it, I mean, they were cheesy, but they were fun. And I could have sent all my kids to college on the money I spent on those games that I invested it in a good mutual fund years ago. But I didn't. I spent it on Pac-Man and asteroids, but I did get past the ninth key on Pac-Man, and for those of you who know what that is, you're like, dude, yeah. <laughs> and so, anyway, asteroids was, if you ever played it, it was kind of cheesy. You had the little uh, little uh, spaceship, and, and you, you could turn it around, you could hit thrust and go, and you blow up the asteroids. Well, if an asteroid was coming at you from behind and you couldn't thrust, those of you who remember, there was one button in the middle of the game that when you were in trouble, you could hit it and your little ship would disappear and appear somewhere else. Those of you who were blessed to live in that era, what was the button called? It's coming and you hit the button called hyperspace. Whoa, glory to God. Those of you who are younger, you don't know the power of hyperspace. You disappear and appear somewhere 
somewhere else. Well, I'm here to tell you in the kingdom of God, there is another button, and it's not called hyperspace, but this one, when you're tempted, there's always a way out, and it's called hyper grace. God, always, somebody needs to cheer because that's just really good, and if it's not really good, it's really fun, and we might as well have a little bit of fun, and you hit the button called hyper grace that our God always gives you a way out. There's always a way out. You don't have to be tortured in your soul. There is always a way out. You can be free from your lusting. You can be free from your lying. You can confess your secret sin and God will bring healing. The door is open. It's open. Turn the knob. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Christ paid for your sins. Walk out the door. Don't stay locked in a satanic lie anymore. Open the door. Be free. Be healed. Walk out. Be transformed. Christ will set you free. The choice is yours. I'm telling you. The choice is yours. So some of you, you're at a crossroads right now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Keep carrying your secret, tortured soul all alone, or ask for help? Now, like I said, it could be a hard day, one of the best days. You have to trust God with the consequences when you do what is right. Here's what scripture says. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to give you a moment, as we're doing every week in this series, to detox your soul, just to, just to pause and be still before God and reflect and do business with him. Scripture says in 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He, he became sin for us on the cross and died. Why? So that we might die to sins. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. That's what some of us are. We're like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd. But now, today, you're returning to the shepherd and the overseer of your what? And the overseer of your souls. It's time for a little soul detox. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Let's take our needs and burdens before God in prayer.
Father, for those who are um, tortured today, I pray that your spirit would minister freedom, that um, we tell our souls it's better to confess than it is to hide our sins. We tell our souls that Christ can set us free, that we'd recognize where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom, there is liberty, that he who Jesus sets free is free indeed, that no temptation has seized us, but that which is common to man. And when we're tempted, God, you are faithful. You will always provide a way out so that we can stand up underneath it. God, we want to avoid sinful desires which wage war against our soul. God, I pray there would be healing and freedom in our souls. God, I pray that you would give those who need it the courage to confess, confess to you for forgiveness and then feel the weight of sin lifted realizing that therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God, not to just confess to you for forgiveness, but to confess to your family, to your people for healing, recognizing that if we could have gotten out of this on our own, we would have done it a long time ago, but we need your body to encourage, to sharpen, to pray for us that we might be healed. God, I thank you in advance for those who would have the courage and the faith to do what is right and to trust you with the consequences. And God, I pray that they would look back and realize, yeah, it was a tough day, but it was unquestionably one of the best when I did what was right before God. Now, Father, I pray for those today that are under the weight and the burden and the guilt of sin that Christ would truly set them free. At all of our different churches right now, there are, are many of you, you feel the weight. David said, I'm overwhelmed by the guilt of my sin. I remember that feeling so well. I remember just wondering, have I sinned too much for God to ever accept me? You, you ask people today, where do you stand with God? And one of the most common answers you get, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I, I do some good things. And, and, and we try to um, justify our standing before God on comparing to others. And, and looking at our own good works. But the truth is, Scripture says all of us have sinned before God. None of us, there's not a single one of us whose righteousness alone merits the salvation of God. Our sin separates us from a holy God. Scripture says, but Jesus himself bore our sins on that tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin so we could live for righteousness. Jesus himself, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us on the cross. He died and he rose again so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. You're under the weight and the guilt of your own sin as you call on him today and turn from your sin and turn toward Jesus. He will hear your cry. He will forgive your sin. He will make you brand new. He will fill you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and you will never be the same. And there are those of you, that is why you're here today is the day of your salvation. You turn from your sin. You call on him. Him. He will make you totally new at all of our churches. You say, that's me. I, I have sinned. I need forgiveness. I, I need a Savior, Jesus. I give my life to you. Change me. Heal me. Make me new. As you do, you will be transformed by our good God. That's your prayer at all of our churches today and say, yes, that's me. I give my life to you, Jesus. Save me. Make me new. Would you lift your hands high right now? Just lift them high in the air. Leave them up if you will. I just want to see you right up here. God bless you. And right back over here and around this side as well. I want to meet you in the eye and celebrate with you all the way back here in the middle section. Both of you in the back, praise God for you. And right back over here as well. Others of you, yes, call on him, Jesus. Save me, forgive me, 
right over here on this side. Praise God for you, sir, right here, uh, uh, being transformed. God bless you others today who say, me too, save me. Church Online, you all click right below me. We're going to pray together as a family of God, worshiping God for new life in Christ. Everybody pray with those around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Forgive me and make me new. I believe that Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you with my whole life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would somebody cheer, somebody shout, somebody thank God for his goodness, for his grace, for his new life in Christ.